Well, Matt Ray, you got a new job. What's the deal with that? Uh, <laughs> wow, that's the that's the coldest, <laughs> of, uh, hardest of cold starts ever. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess we're breaking some news here. Um, my my new uh, my new job is I am the uh, director of developer relations for Trigger Mesh. What does that mean? <laughs> what what is like director yeah, of development relations, not developer, developer. relations? No, development. no, developer. Did I say development? You developer. said development. Like I was like, it sounds like um, we're going to be investing in real estate together. Like, are we no, going to be working? No, well, is there well, like a, a new building? I do have some be... Bitcoin that's priced to move. Um, no, uh, I am developer relations, and uh, what that means is as we sort out like what exactly you know, how to get the most people interested in our product. Um, I'm going to be helping uh, developers. I'm going to be helping users, customers. Uh, I'll probably start doing some of the old Twitch and, hmm. uh, you know, um, just helping the community grow and and, and uh, uh, start using, uh, you know, some of the, the K-native and some of the serverless stuff. And uh, event-driven architectures well, and all those. Here, well, Matt, give us the give us yeah. the, the pitch because you're like an expert now. Okay. Oh what, no, I'm not an expert. What yet. is Trigger Mesh? What do they do? Why should we care? Okay, uh, you should care because if you listen to this, you're you're already uh, one of my friends, right? <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, so How to Trigger build Mesh. an initial dev- developer community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the whole like developer relations is really just Matt's relations. No, uh-huh. um, what, what, what Trigger Mesh is, is a, uh, a platform for integrate, integrating cloud native services with uh, potentially anything, but you know, mostly we're focused on um, event-driven architectures, which is a, a fun buzzword, but it means we're taking data from one place, events from one place, and sending them somewhere else, maybe doing some transformation, maybe some massaging, some filtering, some splitting. Um, it's that whole, you know, event-driven architectures meets serverless. So, you know, you've got, uh, maybe you've got some data in one cloud that needs to move to another cloud and get rid into Salesforce. And, you know, that's what we do. And um, it's a fun mix of, uh, you know, uh, open source stuff, you know, because we're heavily involved in the Knative project, which is part of Kubernetes, uh, but also, um, you know, not Kubernetes at times. So, you know, going to be some Lambda in there, some AWS, some Azure functions. It's uh, it's going to be an exciting wild ride. All right, so Matt, let's get to the obvious questions that maybe maybe people are confused about, or maybe just me or others. So now, are you a serverless platform? where this is where I should write and deploy it, or are you just more an integration of the various Lambdas, Google functions, and platforms out there? Like, how does this work? We are both, but mostly focused on the integration part. So um, so, so Knative uh, has kind of two pieces. There's Knative Serving and Knative Events. And Knative Serving is what most people think of as like Lambda, where... You know, I've got a function and I'm just going to run it as this you know, thing that responds to whatever. Um, and Knative events are more like event processing where something happens and something gets triggered. And then some of Trigger Mesh's secret sauce is, you know, we also do a like event transformation. And 
you know, so when stuff happens, you know, let's say, uh, you know, somebody hits a website and, uh, you know, something gets thrown in an S3 bucket. Well, we want to pull that S3 bucket and push it into uh, Salesforce, you know, and, and, you know, EventBridge uh, does some of this stuff, um, but not everybody is all on AWS. And, uh, you know, so, so if you're moving between clouds, if you've got the, the whole hybrid cloud story, um, you know, or if, you know, uh, you, you're not tied to, uh, to all of Amazon stuff, um, you know, we're, we're in that mix. So, right, so I got, so you got the integration or you can run both. my functions and who are the people like, who are the people behind the scenes here? Who, who's, who are the co-founders of, of this, of this <laughs> crazy venture? So, so we actually had uh, one of the, the co-founders on the podcast. Uh, you interviewed uh, Sebastian. Um, Episode he, 278. Make sure to go back and listen or just download it again. Go ahead. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that was, I, 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 that's impressive. I assume that was in the show notes. And I no, no, it. I just have it all memorized. <laughs> I have all 303 episodes memorized, but go on. So yeah, so they, everyone wants to go listen to hear more. They want to hear Sebastian's version of what Matt said. Yeah, in, uh, yeah. In a so, French, is he French? French accent, right? Uh, yeah, uh, Sebastian's French. It's, it's very soothing. Uh, current, it's very relaxing for, uh, yes. and I felt, I felt like it. So yeah, so you can go listen to that that version of it. Go ahead, yeah, Matt. Yeah, so so that that's a good uh, good background. And and uh, friend of the show, Mark Hinkle, uh, who... Uh, uh, we used to work with back in the Xeno days. Right. And then he worked at what Linux Foundation and he worked yeah. at Cloud.com. Uh, Cloud.com. He worked with Linux Foundation, Node. You know, yeah. heavy hitter, right? This is heavy hitter. This, I mean, this this yeah. thing's probably already been sold for a billion dollars. We don't even know about it. Can, <laughs> Matt, can you well, confirm or deny this has been already been sold for a billion dollars? Can you uh, say anything? Don't worry, Matt. I can I, see I, you don't. I can see you're uncomfortable. Don't answer that question. We'll let okay. the readers or the listeners decide for themselves. So. Well, they uh, well, had to get. They had to. They needed some way to get enough money to pay Matt. So yeah. So prices. <laughs> so Matt, because we've been talking so much about you know other companies and stuff like this. So was it an AWS style interview? Were there uh, seven? Were there seven rounds? Mm. Um, where was there a lot of behavioral interviewing question? Tell me a time that you've uh, uh, succeeded in open source. Uh, you know, did you have a lot of reference checks? Like, describe the the, the interview process for everyone. Well, well, they they don't. Uh... Unlike AWS, I don't believe there was a, a designated bar raiser on, on, on it because mm-hmm. it's a tiny, it, it's, I think I'm employee 18. Uh-huh. So they've not officially uh, rolled out the full HR process where the bar yeah, raisers yeah. are already there. Mm-hmm. They, need, right. they haven't so, gotten a bar yet. They need to find that. <laughs> well, yeah. They 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 needed someone to sit the bar low, so they brought me in. Mm. No, um, yes. What it's I like mean, a diving is, board. That's what you should have, like yeah. a diving board. People just running and jumping off, and you're like, okay, can you make it? All right, go for it. <laughs> no, uh, essentially, I'm going to be working with everyone in the company. So mm-hmm. at this point, we're you know we're the small scrappy startup, and uh, it's all hands on deck for you know for sales, for engineering, for marketing, for you know. So I, I I've got a few meetings on my calendar and. Uh, it's going to be exciting. And are you it's, staying uh, in Australia? Because everyone wants to know. Are, are you returning? Are you, gonna, are you opening the APAC office? Are you moving? <laughs> are you relocating in this in this new venture? So, so uh, Trigger Mesh is a, a global company. Um, uh, we we had a, a all hands uh, like uh, just a social call the other day, uh, cocktails and coffee, and uh, mm. it hit four continents. So um, we've got folks uh, uh, four continents. Um, seven countries uh you know with only 18 employees so we do all right i've got i've got uh, co-workers in kyrgyzstan which is awesome 
I'm gonna have to look at the map and find that. That's close to <laughs> exactly. Kente, right? I don't, I'm 100% sure where that. I don't Everyone's know. I, I don't going know. To look at the map. If given a if given a globe, I don't know how. I don't know how close I could get. Just kind of slap your hand on the middle of Asia, and you yeah, know you might get would, lucky. That may be. I may fail that. I don't know. Is that like fifth grade jump? It's, it's uh, really geography? cool though. We 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 hit go. a lot of time zones. Yeah, you, you, I think when you have a social gathering like that at a uh, global company. You you uh, you're an example of that. It's five p.m. somewhere. It's five o'clock yes. somewhere. Saying, so <laughs> well, that's, that's why it's that's coffee good. and cocktails, right? Oh uh, yes. So. Oh, so it's more like coffee or cocktails. Big. big <laughs> you know, <laughs> you 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 could get yourself an espresso martini and do both. But I, I think some people it was you know breakfast, and others uh-huh. for me it was late night. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes well, that's exciting, Matt Ray. You know, this is this is great for the show here because we'll have a whole new vein of information. You, you know, whole yes. new stuff that you're focusing on. They have I, some I information have about what's happening on serverless. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and you know, and we covered Kubernetes, that. Who knew? Yeah, the, very very topical. We could finally talk about Kubernetes. And I think I think every now and then we need to, we need to check in. Maybe you know, maybe at the beginning we'll start every every month. We might move it up to every quarter. With uh, we'll call it do do Matt Ray's what's up with DevRel, and uh, <laughs> you can kind of go over what's what's going on there. Like you know, I, I, have you lo- logged into the Slack DevRel thing? I used to uh, go look at that every now and then, see what's going on. I, there, but I, I need some recommendations. What should I follow in there? You don't have to answer right now. Okay. And I got I have the DevRel. Uh, Meant a lot uh, of email. Yeah, I got the DevRel email newsletter that comes I'm on out. That one. I'm on that. A lot one. of there's yeah. some interesting stuff in there. A lot of career management. Uh, a lot of podcasts. Like yeah, yeah. A now there's a DevRel salary survey out there. Have you checked that out? Is that anything? No, no. Hmm. I, I'm scared to look. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. I need maybe I should have a <laughs> corner called you know Cote's Executive Roundtable. How that doing? Yeah. That would be great. Very thrilling. I was thinking I need to start up a series of interviews where I interview uh, people like myself and yourself who are in this kind of, I love, I like what uh, my old friend Richard Sirota, or what his role is at Google, which is um, outbound product management, uh, which is, you know, field marketing, as far as I yeah. can tell, which is fine. No problem. Or it's more, it's more like developer field marketing, technical something, but uh yeah, you know, I think I think uh, there's a lot of things I, I need to uh, refresh and learn and get better at. So I need to find people like me who are always shucking and jiving with executives and, you know, stuff like that. See what they do. Because, you know, like, you know, I was thinking I should I need to talk to that Mark Schwartz guy and be like, what do you do? Like, tell tell me, because like he probably doesn't go and implement things. Right. He's probably in, and I don't know if he does consulting uh, it feels like maybe he, he and I do similar things. I don't know, but I'm looking for some some ideas of people to, to interview on that. That would be good. And then uh, maybe I can publish a book on it and then uh, it'd be great. It'll be wildly successful, make so much money, I won't have to work again. That, that does sound good. Can I get in on that? It could be a project that you and I have. We'll establish a uh, some sort of standard that begins with K and then it'll be wildly successful. <laughs> Oh, Cote with a K. Hey. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by StrongDM. One of your SREs quit. You suspended their VPN access. Was that good enough? Are your sure infrastructure access is locked down? 
StrongDM is the only way to be confident in your access controls across any environment. Instantly revoke access to any database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to demonstrate exactly who did what, when, and where across your entire stack. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi. StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com slash stt. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash stt. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, just as a little bit of self-promotion, that book I've been working on finally is available. You can, of course, get it for free if you uh, Johnny Legion yourself. The, if you want to, you can go to cote.io slash books. There'll be a link in the show notes uh, that you can go to, to as well. But, you know, it's, it's called uh, Changing Mindsets and then a whole bunch of other words after it. Uh, and uh, I don't know. That's pretty good. The premise yeah. is that, uh, uh, you know, we know all these practices and things that we should be doing and uh, people don't do them because uh, we keep talking about them encountering all these large organizations that don't follow it. So I wanted to explore like uh, what mindset do you need to actually believe you should do these things and how can you uh, shift yourself over and maybe help shift other people over. And it's targeted at like kind of management executive level. And uh, despite saying I wanted to avoid talking about tactics and patterns, that's kind of what I ended up doing because, you know, I can't help myself. I'm, I, I live by the dictum of like, you know, don't complain unless you come with a solution. However, I'd like to add the uh, last week, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even remember what was happening. Someone was doing Snowflake. something. In, no, yeah, no, not the episode. Someone oh, okay. was doing something annoying in my life. And uh, I was complaining to Kim about it and text messaging, just, you know, just like, rah. And then, and then I realized like, wow, I feel a lot better now that I just like complained. And I, I think I, I, need to, I'm, I need to spend some more time thinking about this. But I think a large part of the function of complaining is I, I never like these metaphorized things that like, you know, you've got some anger energy that you need to release or whatever, or frustration energy. But there's something to just complaining about something and then you can move on with your life. It's sort of like it's in the super category of this concept of closure, which I never liked. Like, I don't understand what that is, but like it's I think I think you can have many closures uh, with a, that's not with the J that's something else, but you can have many closures where, uh, something bad happens that you don't like, and you complain about it and you've achieved closure and that's it. Anyhow, you should check out that book. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's one of those little O'Reilly reports, or as anyone who actually spends the time to write, it calls them books. Uh, and you can get it for free. Again, if you go to cote.io slash books, you can find a link or the show notes, which should be available at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 303. See, I actually went and lead gen myself, but pro tip, use, use, uh, use your old email address for the company you just left. Oh, that's, that's, that's a whole nother <laughs> level of Johnny Legion, right? That's Johnny Legion's ultimate stealth. It's like, I'm going to give you a legit corporate address uh, that won't exist in just a few weeks. That's uh, yes. Yeah, good luck, uh, Salesforce, uh, screening that one out. That's a perfectly yep. looking, perfect corporate address that doesn't work. That's what we all need, right? A fake corporation name that is that is pristine when you Johnny Lee Gen yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to use, of course, uh, you know, I've got Cote Industries. But That's a I, good one. I prefer, you know, I, I have Cote.io registered with WordPress, and that's what I use. I have Legion at Cote.io, and uh, it's fine. You just filter it. and Yep. 
nothing. MattRay.dev. Well, no, we'll That's succeed my... if we make it in, if uh, Johnny Legion actually makes it into like the Salesforce, the official like, uh, you know, blacklist of like. Oh, that would e- be cool. Just emails are just Ooh. like, well, this is a popular email that is not really valid. We're going to uh, get rid of it. That I think well, that'll know the power of the software defined talk community using Johnny Legion will finally, I mean, will be fully known to everyone. I mean, the, the, the power of Mailinator is known because like you can't use Mailinator.com email addresses for lead gen sometimes mm. and they have like a thousand domains there and the other domains don't work either so somebody is like you know made a business case of like tell you what you know if you get one of these email addresses they're they're you know those are just johnny lead gens this just so, in lead lead scoring very profitable business very profitable so yeah it pays it i pays get a lot of email the- about it Learn, it pays to learn which email addresses are invalid. So, mm. Kurt yeah. Industries, that's a good, that's a good one. Oh yeah, it's solid. That's that's a real <laughs> that's a real industry. Uh, I think I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you know Johnny Legion resident. Depending on the country drop down, either of Alabama or Afghanistan. Like that's that's uh... it's a nice thing about Australia being at the front of the alphabet. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> that's right. He's Johnny Lee Jens, always from the country that is pre-populated in the in right. the drop-down box. So sometimes is... it's the sometimes it's the U.S. and then he's uh you know Roll Tide guy or Tide. Uh, did I get that right? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. You got it. Roll Tide. Okay. Or or uh you know he's an Afghani. Whatever. You know, there's a guy I uh, I bike home from school every now and then with, you know, just just chat. And he actually had some Afghan some Afghan uh, uh, mangoes, which is kind of weird. Or maybe they were Pakistani. No, I think they were the first. Anyways, uh, which look good. A little box of mangoes back there. So uh, that's good. Now, OK, speaking of uh, uh, all of your data in the cloud, transforming it, you know, Everyone's got data to move around. I think yes. here's here's a slogan you might want to try out, uh, Matt Ray. I'm going to give it to you y'all for free. You know, as U- Peter Ulander said, I suggested cloud.com to them, and then they got that. So there's a track record uh, there. Uh, so I'm going to suggest, you know, something like uh, garbage in, garbage out. Don't do that with us. <laughs> Hot. Uh, avoid avoid Geico. garbage in garbage. We have we... still available. Unbelievably, <laughs> I just cannot believe it. I just checked. Still available. <laughs> Fix garbage in, garbage out. I think that's that's what you don't want. Uh, speaking of that, so I I wasn't going to get around to reading this until uh, I saw it in the show notes, and there's some extensive notes. But there's a, a pretty a pretty fun analysis. I think it's from uh, the A16Z people about the uh, what is it? it? Essentially, goes over. They did an analysis of they call them software companies, uh, which which is nice because normally they would be called tech companies or SaaS companies, but they're just like no, they're software companies. Your Dropboxes and Zororas, those other kind of companies like that. Now I, they don't. I don't think they had people like uh, VMware and Microsoft and stuff in there. Although nope. Microsoft, Microsoft will be, you'll see why that wouldn't make sense in a little bit here, but it was essentially analysis of, uh, so is it cost, is, is it cost effective to run your stuff in public cloud versus on premise? And mm-hmm. there's a bunch of assumptions that they went through. And, you know, when it gets to like accounting stuff like that, I never really understand it. It seems like every time I understand some accounting terms, they come up with a bucket of fucking new ones, right? Like, <laughs> 
At one point, I knew I can barely of, keep my head around pivot tables. I mean, come yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. At, you, but you know, at one point, I knew what cost of revenue was. But then they, you know, and you got your CACs and your BACs and CAGR, CAC, and all this stuff. But whatever. There, the, the analysis looked looks pretty interesting. But what they did is they got all those those public software companies, and they and this is my gross summarization uh, and and my crude summarization and. They essentially looked at some of them like Dropbox who had moved their uh, their infrastructure from public cloud to their own cloud, I guess. Yep. And then did did some uh, finagling. You didn't really have to do finagling, but then, you know, messed around with numbers to show the savings that they had, just raw savings, and then how that affected the uh, valuation of the companies. Uh-huh. And uh, that's where they get to this eye-popping thing of, what, what was it, Brandon? It's like, uh, there's a hundred billion of market value being lost amongst these companies because they run in public cloud. And uh, if you expand it out to the broader world of tech companies, which I think would imply things like Uber and Airbnb and some other stuff like that, then uh, probably Squarespace, the podcast <laughs> world's favorite, then, then they say that, uh, that it's like 500 billion in market cap. And, and this is the part where I was getting fuzzy, but I think the way they figured out this market cap thing is that like, for example, when Dropbox moved over, I forget what the numbers are. They say 75 million and basically 75 said, yeah. over uh-huh. two years, right? right? And when they moved to their own stuff. And then that, of course, adds to your profit. I'm sure there's some other fancy ass term they use, but that adds to your profit, which then uh, changes your, uh, your multiple, your, uh, your your multiple right? because of future earnings, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And, so, the way, uh, you know, to kind of drill into the way that they get there, because this is sort of like the, the conclusion of the article rests on this is to say, Hey, if you're a, a highly valued company that has a high multiple, simply meaning that you know people will pay more for your stock because they they believe your company is more valuable. So if you take seventy five million dollars in earnings and say the multiple is like five x or ten x or whatever, you say, oh, when I add one dollar of earnings, I'm really adding five dollars of market cap or ten dollars or twenty dollars or hundred whatever it is, right? So yeah, that's really where they get to. So. I will say that I've read this whole article just to put my cards on the table. I didn't really like it. I didn't think, I thought there was a lot of bad <laughs> thinking in this and I'll just kind of like take you through. That's why I wanted to put it in here. And there was a lot of, uh, I included some of the Twitter threads because lots of people chimed in uh-huh. on both sides. There were both sides of uh, some people were thought there? it was good. Some people thought it was bad. But the the thing, the things I just want to walk through here is like one, the poster child they used throughout this uh, article is Dropbox, right? Dropbox yeah. basically brought it in and they made $75 million. Other people on Twitter are printing this out, so I'm just going to take the uh, – I'm going to not say it's an original thought, but I had the same thought was what they're missing here is opportunity cost. Okay, so Dropbox spent all this time pulling in you know, the data center uh, and re- rewriting this, and they're saving $75 million. So let's just assume that's 100% correct. Now, what, what they didn't do was Dropbox didn't go out and uh, build some new features or products that people love – that would have also potentially added to the market cap, mm. right? In a bigger way. So yeah. that's the first big miss. So if you are at a company and you are at a point where like you're in the cash cow phase, right? To use the uh, McKinsey or BCG term, right? Can't remember who did that. And you are just concerned about, hey, we need to increase profit. And the way for us to do that is to reduce costs. We don't essentially don't have... Um, we don't believe we have great new ideas that we want to take to market. It's like, okay, I could see an argument for this, but somebody like Dropbox, I think you can make the counter argument, the counterfactual here would be, 
what else could they have done with that $75 million during that period of time, right? Or, or, or the cost, rather, to do all of the engineering to pull the cloud in that would have added value to the company in a different way. Like, could they have built, this is a long time ago, but could they have built the next Zoom? Could they have added file management features that are a lot better? Uh, uh, yeah, they, I mean, and there's numerous anything? things they could have done <laughs> on their roadmap, right? And I think that is just completely left out of this, right? It's almost yeah. like we're running a railroad in the railroad, we just need to make it more efficient because we can't lay any more track. These are tech companies that all have huge opportunity costs when they don't build something new. So that to me, to see A16 write this of all the places, I just thought was weird. It's like they didn't like, I would have seen a lot of analysis around that about like, you really should be spending more money on new features and growing the revenue. Um, and that's how you're going to grow your market cap through new products, unless you're a very, very mature business. And I think Dropbox... I don't know. We use it, I guess, but it's sort of, it's really faded in my mind, right? And sort of relevance. It's just, just another one of many file sharing services. I think I use four of them at this moment, just for various reasons that are irrelevant to this conversation. But you know, that would be maybe the conversation you would have in the board of directors at Dropbox. Like, why don't we go do something different, try to differentiate ourselves? Or if we're at this point, you know, the other thing that Dropbox should be doing, forget this $75 million. We got to package this company and sell it to private equity, right? And make a ton of money and get out of here. Right. So, um, but like moving, like taking all your infrastructure and moving it into the cloud doesn't seem like a very, you know, useful time of time and effort doesn't seem very useful to me. So, so I've, I've spoken a lot there. I don't know. Am I getting it wrong, Cote or Matt? Is wait, that, uh, so, so wait, but they, they moved out of public cloud. Right. right? Yes. And, and then you're saying, and then they, they did, they spent money on doing that time and money. Yes. And then, and then, but then they saved money. So that yes. they would have that money that they could invest into new features. Well, I don't know, but like, I mean, during the time, or, so how much the, did it cost them to move out? Right. So it's, yeah, it's the, like the, opportunity the time and cost. effort of moving yeah. could have, was, you know, a year of development. Right. 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 So, so it's, it's the, it's the time that you're sacrificing essentially. Well, and then, also, that, but then it's the ongoing cost of like, you have to maintain that. Right. Like, yeah. And yeah. also, this is the other point of like, okay, when they say, this is the other part I just hated about the article. Like, they just say, like, move out of cloud as if cloud is just one thing, right? So, mm-hmm. like, what I think they're saying here is infrastructure as a service, right? That's really yeah. what I think Dropbox replicated in storage. So, as, so, say, like, okay, say they replicated EC2 and S3 or just, okay, just those two things. Okay, how much does that cost? Now, let's go look at the AWS catalog, although we can pick any of them. I'm just saying this is like... I think there's 130, I can't remember what it is, over 100 services. So which things in the cloud, right? When I when Dropbox rebuilt their, their own cloud, which of the 130 services in AWS came over? And what do I have access to now? Now that I'm, I've done all of this, like, do I have access to Lambda? Do I have access to containers? Do I have access to no. EKS? What if I want to do machine learning? How do I do that? Do I, am I pulling all of this in? So, so what are you, this is, I mean, this is stupid, right? That's why they just say, well, we moved back from cloud. So you like, did you leave all 130 services back? How do I get something new in? Like, how do I do it? What do I do now? I, and do I, am I going to maintain that going forward? Completely lost in an article. It's like not even discussed. It's like, oh, they just moved from cloud. That's just bad thinking. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> so I know this company that I work for now yeah. that helps with that. <laughs> Right. Exactly. So if you want to get, I mean, if your data or, or content is somewhere where you need to get them to, you know, a, a richer set of features, if you want to integrate them with other stuff, 
that's kind of what we do. I mean, I don't want to turn it into an ad or anything, but like, you know, you have this data sitting over there now and, and, and uh, Dropbox that you're, you're missing out on all those other things you could be doing. Absolutely. You know, your data right. is no longer sitting on AWS. So if you're, if you want to take that Dropbox data and throw it into, you know, Cognito or cognition or, you know, one of the AI services or something like that, like, yeah, now you have to pay trans transit. You know, yeah, now, so you have a lot of things there, right? Well, another one. So, yeah. like, you know, let's just let's let's just like, you know, hopefully somebody on the podcast will be able to answer this question. It's like, just hypothetically here, let's say you're like, hmm, I want to build applications, but I don't want to be tied to any specific cloud. I'm I'm really concerned about that. Maybe I want to work it in a hybrid cloud type situation. Maybe I want the best of both worlds. I want to pull in the infrastructure costs that are fairly static. I want to build my applications so they could be deployed there, but then also. I would like to be able to run those same applications with almost no changes in a variety of public clouds. Like, could we think of a product or solution that would allow this magic to happen, to allow workloads to easily move between the private and public clouds? Has anyone in the industry ever considered such a problem? I don't know, Kote, could you suggest anything that somebody would be thinking about using in a situation like that? Does anything come to mind for you? Well, as long as you have gone to all your services and described them in uh, WSDL files, you'll be cool. Like you'll <laughs> totally be able to uh, transmit things and avoid the garbage phenomena. Yeah. But, but I think, I you know, mean, I mean you where know. I'm going there is like OpenShift, Tanzu, Kubernetes, yeah. containers, all of these problems are talked about endlessly in the industry. So if this is what you're concerned about, like I need to f- reduce my static fixed infrastructure costs. I'm being very specific, compute costs, Right then embrace yeah. one of the many products. And there are more, right? I mean, we've had a bunch of people on the show talking about all the different ways you can do this. Build your applications that way. So you can deploy them on premise and you can have the ability, if you want to, to connect to the hybrid cloud and still have access to all of the services of the public cloud, as well as using things that Matt was just talking about. And again, this article doesn't even talk about that. It's as if it's a mystery to them. There's like one line in it about, and Kubernetes was often, uh, was built to address part of this problem, which is again, kind of wrong. It's like really not Kubernetes. It's really a platform to build platforms. And there are a bunch of different solutions that you can do it. So again, this is A16. This is the leader in venture capital and thinking. It's like, completely missing the point right of like embracing any one of those things and then the final thing i could go on for another hour on this but i won't final (laughs) thing would be (laughs) me on this would just be like the idea that the the public cloud is static is also i mean that this is really back to your thing it's just stupid as well every one of uh the cloud vendors are looking at it and the, the entire word serverless is basically a statement to the industry we would like simpler solutions to deploy our applications, which everyone is actively working on. Matt, you're now Trigger Mesh. Everyone else has a variety of different serverless and new paradigms, Kote, Tanzu, we can go on and on. So what happens when one of those does take hold and we actually are starting to realize a lot of the benefits of the cloud, like scaling to zero, new deployment models and things like that? Like that's going to happen in the next whatever, three to five years until Matt sells his company. Uh, and, and that ultimately is going to be a huge benefit. So if you're not there, what are they going to do then? Like, we're definitely going to read an article. Mark my words. We will read an article about how Dropbox moves back to the public cloud in the next, say, seven years. And uh, I will be sure to bring that up on the show. So, so that's my, uh, that was my long rant on uh, this entire thing. I didn't think it was very good. I thought it was bad thinking. 
I didn't think I didn't think they really did a lot of the work. And I think they do hide a lot in bad. They they have very good math with a lot of bad assumptions. Is what I would say. And, and of Dropbox that. is is such a bad so, so unlike other companies. I mean, Dropbox has one product, and it you know that. I mean, yes, they have you know multiple ways of of, of interacting with that product, but it's like their their usage of of storage and compute is very linear. They understand their consumption models. They, you know, their business is very predictable and homogenous. And whereas if you're an enterprise, you know, you're like, oh yeah, we can keep supporting a thousand applications inside our our you know data center and try to, you know, we don't need to move to the cloud because you know we we're having a we're having an easy time hiring people who want to maintain this, you know, this old stuff and, you know, have expertise in all these old technologies and want to continue to maintain them. It's like, no, you don't. And so if you stay in your data centers without trying to like aggressively start updating stuff, it, you are going to continue to fall behind and your competitors won't. And so like, yeah, maybe you'll save some money short term by, you know, not spending more in the cloud. But the opportunity costs way outweigh that, and so, so one of the one of the links had a, a nice comparison between Datadog, and, um, and and Dropbox, and and pointed out like Datadog spends more than seventy five million a year on AWS, <laughs> and you know their stock has way out. Yeah, they're a thirty Dropbox billion dollar company, the, right? You think they're like, the oh wow, I'm so sad. Yeah. We are three hundred million dollar uh, bill at AWS, and we're worth thirty billion dollars. I think they feel like that was money well spent. I think it's really you exactly. Know, pretty, pretty easy call yeah yeah huh those are are good points you know my uh uh my my first takeaway well first of all i mean obviously it's uh it's a like financial analyst type of thinking uh in there which means you know there's not a lot of consideration of the uh lower level things which which is fine on its own but it, it exactly gets to the point of uh you know what would you call the, this kind of like analysis of whether you want to call it total cost of ownership or the Forrester likes the total economic impact. Like all these things are always incredibly fraught and difficult for all the reasons that we went over, right? Like, like the way that uh, Datadog uses public cloud is different than the way that, you know, Dropbox uses it. And then a further, a further wrinkle is, you know, you, I, one could look up these ratios if they took the time, but I was, you know, these were just software companies that they were looking at. And also many of them, I would assume because they're software companies and kind of it's startup be like, I don't know if all of them were profitable in, in the first place, or if they're in that kind of high growth mode, you were uh, more talking about Brandon, but it made me curious. Like if you went to a Wells Fargo and you looked at like revenue versus like IT spend, I mean, I'm sure it's big, right? Like IT spend at, at Wells Fargo would huge, be huge. Yeah. But, but, you know, it, it also might get to the point of like, uh, you know, I was, I was talking with, uh, I, I have this interview with John Willis that I'll post soon. And uh, he was saying, you know, I talked to this, uh, I was talking a long time ago to a, a bank CIO and I was telling him all these things he could do to optimize his IT. And they replied like, John, John, that's great. Uh, John's stories always end up with uh, his interlocutor going like this, leaning back in his chair and going, John, John, John. <laughs> and he, drop a wisdom. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> I could do that. Or I could go down the hall and suggest some new idea to the quants. And that will raise our, our revenue, $500 million. 
and you know, so it's 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 one of those. I I think I think what you're you're drawing out, Brandon, is is uh, you know, there's like a little bit of a model here to think about, but it really does. It adds to this idea. They kind of make fun of this in there that uh, that like costs are a big deal in public cloud, <laughs> which I think I think after like after like I don't even know how has it been fifteen years after fifteen years of like public cloud stuff. I think when people balk at costs and things like that, it's still kind of looked up as some sort of like fuddy reaction. But nowadays, it's a very real thing to look at. On the other hand, you also need to do that analysis, like you're saying, of like, well, what's the uh, what's the opportunity cost that I have? Like, can I take advantage of this? Like, is it worth paying the quote unquote premium uh, so that I don't spend time managing a data center and I can take advantage of new things and, as you said, make the business better? And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't fit into a spreadsheet. It's super annoying. <laughs> you know, whether, whether you're buying stuff or, or selling stuff, I would imagine it's uh, crazy to deal with that kind of stuff. And, and then finally, like, you know, market cap, what's that all about? Like, like it is like, there, there's always a bunch of like theoretic hand, hand waving, but if you're already trading at like 20 or 30 times revenue, like, I don't, I mean, it just seems like a bunch of voodoo that that you're messing with at that point. And whether or not you're running in public cloud or not, I don't know. It seems like some kind of financial engineering that if the you change one number in a spreadsheet and suddenly like the other number goes up, then and when those kind of things happen, it always makes me wonder like, all oh, right, so these numbers are just kind of bonkers in the first place. Like if all if all I did was like save that money and then set like saving 75 million in revenue. I don't really see in like the real world how that translates to a company being worth like five billion dollars more like right. you know then maybe you should fire a bunch of people and then your company you're, you're, will be yeah worth more. You're, you're not going to cut costs to increase your multiple right right that just that doesn't work yeah but i you know i i do it there's it'd be fun to like take the modeling and the thinking and look at other other companies like i think i I don't know if focusing on market cap is good like i would want to replace it with like i don't even know what to call it but just like capability like like the ability to like bring in revenue like i mean profit would have been just fine (laughs) right like (laughs) that's that's nice to focus on well maybe we can like wrap it here i was like you know the you know, the final point of this article at the end, they kind of give these five um, things to think about, right? And again, they're just more infuriating for me. Like cloud spend is a KPI, like as if this is breaking news. Like you should, like, it's just like, know what your expenses are. Yes, of course. Incentivize the right behaviors. Uh, of course. Like, yeah, thank you again. Optimization, optimization, optimization. Oh, okay. Again, wonderful. No one has ever thought of this. So you should optimize how we're going to spend, right? Think about repatriation upfront. Difficult for me to say, but easy to understand, right? It's like, yeah, so there's a number of ways to build applications that we've reviewed that all of us can help you with to make your applications easy to move around. Again, everybody's thinking about that, right? Uh, And then uh, incrementally uh, repatriate. Again, like all of these things are obvious, right? And I guess my whole point of this article, it's not that you shouldn't be thinking about these things. It's like the details matter here, right? This is cheap thinking. They have not broken into the details. When you say just move from the cloud and think about these five very easy concepts, you're missing the point. Like if you're not getting into the details, how you build your applications, possible architectures, you know, how you actually think about the technology going forward and the opportunity cost, you're going to completely miss the point. So beware if you read this article. There's a lot of details that are missing here. 
Yeah. Bring your spreadsheet. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com slash sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com slash sdt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, you know, when we were uh, younger folks in the tech world, fellas, was there so much M&A going on that I, I was I just not paying attention? Like, it seems like there's lots of M&A that happens it, nowadays. I, there was less and it was smaller, much smaller. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, sort of like if you look at I, the IBM and and uh, even Microsoft and like where we were at BMC, they were kind of small deals. Every now and then they were big. Like wasn't wasn't they, like they'd buy an Evity, they'd buy a Side Angel. Yeah, it wasn't Tivoli like the biggest acquisition ever or something? I remember For it being big, and it was, wasn't it just now. like that's a long two hundred million or something? Like yeah. it was a sub one billion at the time. Yeah, long yeah. inflation. They didn't even get to be a unicorn. No unicorns <laughs> back in two thousand. It was it was I don't know what they were. Hundred million dollars. Horses, horses, yeah. <laughs> ponies. <laughs> the people talk. People don't talk about unicorns that much anymore. Decacorns I mean, in now, the DevOps, right? many world, of them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like fair. it's like trying to keep track of uh, you know millionaires. Who cares? Mm. Yeah, we need to have like uh, like uh, you know my son's mildly obsessed with Cthulhu at the moment. Or not? He shouldn't oh. say he's obsessed with it, but it shows up in his games a lot and other stuff. Uh, so. I don't know. Maybe we should call them Cthulhu's. Just they're, they're well, maybe a Cthulhu. Let's see if we match it more. Is more like a large company that's gone into private equity and is just like sleeping there, unknown, <laughs> ready to be woken up and emerge <laughs> and uh, change the world uh, when it comes out of there. You know, they could all PE companies could hope to be Cthulhu's. Otherwise, they become like forgotten cities that uh, bust up and and break up and. You know, if you go there, you just turn mad. And <laughs> so, but so does that, is that just a good lead way here into that? The fact that uh, Cloudera is being bought oh, yes. by uh, private equity, KKR, and uh, I don't know the other one, CDR for $4.7 billion. So it's the net yeah, net of this. Yeah. This is just like, I, I kind of come back to like, it's like, you know, success is all about, I guess, you know, perspective. And it's like, hey, at the end of the day, like there's, there's definitely products here, but at the end of the day, it's just not as big a market. Like no one would like this answer. It's like, hey, the market's just not as big for this as what people once thought. It's like it just happens, right? Sometimes it happens. It's not like anyone did oh, anything as wrong big for for Hadoop stuff and everything. Yeah, well, I just but, think because you know Cloudera merged with what uh, Hortonworks 
a while back, yep. wasn't it right? Yeah. And it's like that was Napper. I think we covered that on the show. Yeah. And it's like, well, that was a sign that maybe the market wasn't that big, couldn't support two players. And then now it's like, well, the appetite for this as a high growth business, right, going forward, it just seems like it's just there's just not as much need for it. I mean, I don't yeah. think it's not like I sometimes you'd be like, oh, the products are bad or they don't get it. It's like, no, I'm sure if you want the Hadoop and you want all this stuff, it's like they're the place to go. It's just that people don't really want that. At least well, they you want know, it you in know, a way my, that's a huge multiple. Go on. You know, you know, you know, my is, is, is perennial means it comes back every year. Right. So, you know, you know, my my common reply to like stuff, you know, PE people buying stuff is like, I mean, four point seven billion seems like a lot of money. And like, so they must see something of value, (laughs) right? Or, or they must, they must see some opportunity. And then that gets to the point of like, well, you know, if there was opportunity, why couldn't they do that there? And then you're like, I don't know, quarterly reports and stuff. And then Amazon and Tesla, nonetheless, right? And so that, you know, I always, I always wonder about the, the magic that is uh, going to happen. I mean, maybe they go to, what is it, Tomo Bravo and sell it to them at some point and you're just passing it along. I think if we just look at the history, like we can probably like read between the lines a little bit here and say, well, they did this acquisition of Hortonworks and they were a public stock. So probably what they need to do is go through, and this is the unfortunate part, and like, if you will, clean up the company, which unfortunately will probably result in like, you know, people being laid off, you know, stock multiples and stock, you know, all of the options being reset and you know, putting in a different financial model, cleaning up all of that, getting it back to the investor. And so you get to a point and then you think if you're you know, running this as private equity, you say, okay, we're going to get all of that fixed, right? We're going to get the it lean and mean, and then we're going to go back to the people that want Hadoop solution, the strategic companies that maybe want to fill out their portfolio and maybe we could sell it to them for six, seven, eight billion dollars, make a nice multiple on there. Uh, you know, easier said than done, of course, right? I make it sound like it's so easy, but I think that's that's what we could do. And I, you, you look yeah, and say yeah. to yourself, in the public market, it's probably unlikely this is going to become a four. You know, suddenly this is going to be a forty billion dollar company, right? That's sort of like that dream is now over, and the over and the idea of this next round is to take four and make it eight instead of four making it yeah. fifty billion. Which, that, which that again, does... like I make it sound like it's so bad. It's like it's not bad. It's just like this happens sometimes. Like you put it out there, you're like Hadoop's going to be huge, and it's like well, not as big as you once thought. So, so it sounds like Cthulhu becomes like you know uh, a correct corrective force for the universe. <laughs> <laughs> is that where a metaphor is here? It's sort, sort, sort of like a squid-headed Thanos that is, <laughs> yeah. is is what we're going for there. And yeah, a business yeah. suit. And in, I think, you know, and, a, and the next one here, I think, just kind of shows, well, maybe Hadoop isn't going to be big, but you know what's going to be big and is always going to be big? Monitoring. That's the oh, next monitoring. one, right? Sumo hey, Logic hey, Don't buys. sleep on monitoring. That's right. Sumo Logic doesn't buy Zenos, doesn't make Matt and Brandon rich. It buys Sensu. Like, why, what are we going to, what do we need to do to get Zenos bought? How are we going to cash it, out I, those I, options? You know, we've talked about this a few times. We need to, I hear there's a lot of cash jangling around that's always trying to find some place to go. And uh, I think we need to get a couple of, uh, you call them limited partners. They need to just give us a chunk of money to form a, a PE firm, you know, whatever. I don't know what it would be, probably a mm-hmm. PE firm. Uh, and we just do monitoring. Like we work in the space of monitoring and events and we have such deep expertise and, thing, and uh, things going on that we are going to be able, we're going to be the monitoring value unlockers. Now, you know, there'll be companies that are struggling doing things. We'll get them in there. We also can focus on product. We've got one of us has been a product manager for a lot. So we got this deep understanding of product. We've got a lot of people who know how to deal with uh, with communities 
you know, getting people to use that, that bottoms up adoption of, of things. And then, uh, and then we have someone who can, uh, you know, knows how to uh, live stream. Uh, and, <laughs> someone and, uh, who can work a spreadsheet. Do some, do some marketing or something like who that. Who understands so, all the acronyms. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll make a little bit of investments in startups. I don't know. That seems like uh, in the monitoring space, that seems a little high risk. You want to more find the, the, <laughs> the uh, you know, the sleepy Cthulhu's out there that are, that are going to bed and that, have, you know, maybe haven't been woken yeah, up. Unspeakable you know, horrors of unlocked potential. Yeah, the unspeakable horrors of monitoring. That's and and then you want to you want to bring those in and marry them up because you know the secret that we all know is that basically it's all the same. It's all the same. So I think we should just with that we should just say congratulations to Sensu. Like I wish I wish the monitoring companies I had worked for had been acquired for good multiple. So congratulations. And And then finally, and and then I just it's an open source success story. It is. Hey, we love it. Great. Somebody buys on us, please, please. Just I just want to see if I could just get my money back, even at a loss, I would love it. So please do it. Make it happen. And then the final one, and this just shows you like how much I, I really don't know, was uh, Stack Overflow bought for $1.8 billion. And I was like, I've yes. used Stack Overflow, I don't know, many, many times. I, I honestly, if you had told me like, what do you think it's worth? I, I wouldn't even, it would have maybe been like, I don't know, a few million. I really like the website. Seems like a, like a good thing. So, so I have no idea what's going on at Stack Overflow or about how, when I'm searching for weird code fragments in Swift, like why that's worth so much money, but evidently Matt, yeah, uh, it's very valuable. So every time you're yes. in Stack Overflow, know that you're doing a good thing for them. The, the, the best part of it is I had no idea that that was a, a proper evaluation and I have no idea who this company is that bought them. Process, <laughs> one of Europe's most valuable tech companies, is best known as the largest shareholder in Chinese internet and video game Tencent. giant Tencent. Yeah. Whew. They're doing something right. We should probably learn them because they they clearly know how to, they're, they're clearly investing in things that we don't understand and making a, a, a tons of money. See, that's yeah. the other thing that if, if you're one of these uh, limited partners who's going to fund, you know, the, the, uh, the, the elder gods of monitoring uh, firm, you'll get a, a weekly uh, explainer about how all this stuff works. We'll be like, oh, we finally figured it out. Here's what you do. Let me share my spreadsheet here, do a couple of numbers. And, uh, you know, also, if you are a uh, platinum tier uh, person, You'll get invited uh, every year. We'll have the annual iBankers and Hot Tubs uh, conference, yes. and uh, you'll be invited <laughs> to that exclusive event. Uh, but 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 no hot tub Twitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the. Oof, boy, that's the, so. Yeah, lots of M and A going on. Well, Brandon, do we have any bureaucracy for this week? We do have a couple things here. One, I sent some stickers to. Uh, uh, Roderick in the Netherlands. So great to hear from uh, him. And if anyone listening would like a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And then one other thing, um, for those that use Apple Podcast as your podcast player. So I guess I've learned now that uh, they strip out all the formatting out of the show notes. So it's like, oh, that doesn't look so good. So I don't know, Apple Podcast, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, so if you have trouble reading the show notes, as Cote said, you can always go to the website and I'm going to try to look and see if there's some way we can make it easier to read. But I don't know. They're, they've made my life hard because they take out Mark all down. the uh, 
they take out all the formatting. But if if you do, if you are someone that likes show notes and stuff like that, and a lot of us use Overcast, there's a bunch of other ones that will give you properly formatted show notes. So I don't know. Do, you know, do people like them? Do they not? So email me if you've actually been frustrated because you can't read the show notes. I want to know. We'll find maybe some some either way, easier way. But in the interim, as Cote will tell you later in the show, just go to software dot com slash episode number and you can read them in a very nice formatted way and uh i don't know i don't control apple so i don't know what they're doing i don't know what their strategy is they're making my life hard so but we'll you know and brandon brandon puts in great cover art for each episode but there's also banner art yeah which there's that there's another, yeah Bruce that's banner. another thing to say it's like not all podcast players le- will actually update the cover art so if you're just seeing the the album the same sdt logo mm, that's no fine no we good. appreciate you listening but just know that there's 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 always random stuff and last week we'll even like do we'll do a uh make sure we'll some cover art here uh an episode chapter art rather of cote's book so if you don't see cote's book uh pop up earlier in the episode then you don't you don't have a good podcast player but i'll leave i'll yeah, let you guys figure that, that out <laughs> Well, as, as always, there's a, a few conferences to remind you of. There's the Rabbit MQ Summit, July 13th and 14th. We have our uh, big developer conference, Spring 1, September 1st and 2nd. I've been reading through the talks. We've got some other submissions, lots of good talks in there, you know, because I'm helping select them in the track that I'm in. There's that conference, July 26th and 29th in Wisconsin. And uh, their submissions are open until the 14th. I think they're having a hybrid, uh, you know, meet space, virtual space event. And uh, there's also something about uh, uh, cephalopods to, to keep on track there. The calamari something. Am I right? Am I remembering correctly? Yeah, cal- the cala- calamari at the cal- Kalahari. That's difficult right, for me right, to say. Right. So, so you, you know, you know every, every time you eat a cephalopod, you're holding Cthulhu back. You might be angering him. <laughs> Wait, is that good? Or bad. Well, I, I, you know, I, for one, I have read a lot of it and I do not look forward to what happens. That's okay. especially, especially when you get that, uh, is it, is it Azeloth? You get that big insane God with the pie, with the pipers who has like no, no intelligence. No, no, I, I, let, let me rephrase my question. Should I be ingesting more cephalopods or not? Do I, should I be eating more squid? You know, that's a personal question, Matt Ray. I, I, uh, I'm conflicted. I have about stopped it. eating octopus though. Ever oh, since yeah. uh, octopus teacher, not not gonna eat them anymore. Yeah, like they can escape from a tube or whatever. Like this, they're pretty that. smart. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It is kind of a bummer. And there's also a uh, K Native event training. I wonder who put that in. On, hey, uh, ooh, June thirtieth uh, that you should go check out. Uh, yep. You know, and also I should mention we have a uh, a spring tour in Europe uh, next week. Uh, I, I forget what the date is, but if it's uh, it's for uh, EMEA time zones, so you don't really have to worry about uh, waking up. It's actually on June 15th. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to do that. There'll be a lot of, uh, you know, coding and going over Kubernetes and Tanzu stuff and spring, all sorts of stuff like that. So with that, Matt Ray, what do you recommend this week? Uh, so my recommendation this week is uh, Apple's, Apple Script and Automator. Um, so I, I, uh, recently started, I, I got myself a new Mac and I, I tried to, uh, switch off of uh, Quicksilver. It's gotten long in the tooth and not getting the mm. updates. And, and so I was trying out different apps and I was some of the behaviors I wanted. I, I, I wanted some of the triggers, uh, that weren't there. And I was like, you know, how do I, how do I pause Spotify or how do I, uh, you know, play, make the music player, you know, start and change volumes and, it's really easy to do an Apple script and you can export things as, as, as apps. 
Uh, so I have, hmm. I've, I've been writing lots of apps, um, just, you know, Apple script converted to apps or automator flows converted to apps and plugging them into, uh, Alfred, uh, which has its own power pack stuff too. But, uh, in a pinch, it's really easy to write your own, um, in case, you know, you ever wanted to automate stuff. Hmm. You've been using Quicksilver this whole time. <laughs> I, I stopped using they, they it, it got re yes no judgment in that statement I love no, that's it. fine that's fine hey, really? hey no it came back it came back it got open source they kept development going but yeah 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 no you know i remember when Matt gives it, up it was, on an open great. source quicksilver command line utility it's like it's time it's time for See, everyone make me feel like i need to go back out of spite no 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 it's hey i think you're doing the industry uh, you're doing all the listeners a favor when matt gives up it's time to move on alfred move over to alfred yeah you know i just i just never need all that extra functionality <laughs> Like it's default, nothing, hey, nothing. the default lifestyle is just you know spotlight. You're all about spotlight. That, yeah. That's where I live. I live in the yeah. default lifestyle. Spotlight's fine. Yeah, I, I use it. Help. I use it for uh, I use it for launching applications and doing quick summaries. Done. Me too. Done. There. Yeah. All right. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend this week? Yeah, you know, I recommended this already, but uh, I the finale was last week. Mayor of Easttown. I thought it was just fantastic. You know, rarely is a show, uh, especially the finale. Ra- rarely do you get excited and then ultimately delivers, um, you know, see all my comments about lost and how disappointing that was, but this one really delivered, uh, on a lot of ways. So I thought mayor of Easttown was great. You know, we've been talking a lot about, um, closure, you know, you know, you're talking about Kote about that. And I think that that show and especially the finale explores that issue in, in some interesting ways. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a, a crime mystery and it's, a, and it's some great performances and it's, you know, it has like a very dramatic, um, analysis, let's say, of like what it means to find closure and what it means when maybe you don't find closure. So highly oh. recommended, very bingeable, seven episodes. You'll really enjoy it. Check it out. Oh, that, it, that's like a murder show, right? Just mm-hmm. murder mystery? Okay. Murder mystery. Right. Well, uh, I have I have a cooking recommendation. I, I uh, you know, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was thinking recently that I need to, uh, uh, I need to get into the mainstream culture, right? Because people seem happy and relaxed in just normal real life. And so like, I should, I should try to like swim in those waters and see what's going on. So uh, I, I, in the news app, you know, the Apple news plus app, I just followed a bunch of like normal magazines. And uh, one of them, uh, I think it's Bon Appetit, which Ruth Reichel, if I'm saying her name, she used to be editor of, if you haven't read her books, they're great. Uh, But I found this very simple stir fry sauce recipe. It's basically like one part soy sauce, one part, this thing called black vinegar. And then like, I don't know, 0.4 part sugar. And there's some other junk, but it's pretty good. It's a good, it's a good sauce. You can just fry up anything with and a uh, wok. And I've been eating a lot of cabbage, green beans with that sauce. It's tasty. It's really easy. You can look that up and you can memorize it because I always find it difficult. You know, I want to make some, uh, some Chinese Asian food at home and I don't know how to season that kind of stuff. And you try to go look up like, like a Thai recipe and you're like, Jesus Christ, I have to go purchase the entire spot <laughs> the spice department at the grocery That's store. That's why Thai and Indian food are always delivery or takeout, right? All right, you, all you, right? You can't stock it. And and like, I mean, I would like to do it, but then I also know from past experience that then like three years later, I'm going to have like, you know, this jar of garam masala around. Like I just, I don't make it frequently enough that it justifies yep. the ingredients, but this one, very simple, straightforward. So with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. As promised, I'm going to tell you where you can go to get the show notes, which is softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 303. 
we got all sorts of other news items and notes we didn't cover, links to all the conferences and recommendations and things we mentioned. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, having having calls with uh you know with with other people and like this is what I'm gonna do. You cool with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, yeah. <laughs>